Hey, it's Sylvia Maria Gross. I'm the editor of Midwesternish. You know, this podcast is only made possible because listeners donate their money and help support it. So if you want to be part of making it all happen, go to kcur.org slash Midwesternish. That's kcur.org slash Midwesternish. And click on that donate button at the top of the page. And then donate, okay? Thanks. From a dot in the middle of the map, this is Midwesternish. I'm Gina Kaufman, and this is Suzanne Hogan. She's the producer of this podcast, and she didn't used to think she had an accent. It never really occurred to me that I had an accent until, you know, just traveling around the U.S. and then even going abroad to other countries and people commenting on the way that I spoke English. What did people say to you? We did this exercise with some of our friends, our French friends, we were touring around in France, and their English wasn't that good, and our French wasn't that good either. So, you know, we're all kind of navigating communication through chopped up uh, styles of communicating. But one time, we were just drinking, and we were like, all right, what do we sound like to you? And we had our friend Toma kind of do this, like kind of like a, ba- a banjo. And, and I was uh-huh. thinking like, do I, is that what, that's what it sounds like to you when I talk? And, it's, and he said, well, what, what do I sound like to you? And it's like, oh, so much. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> so Suzanne and I were recently talking about our accents. We're both from Kansas City and we both grew up believing in that myth that Midwesterners don't have accents, which is just false. We know we don't talk like New Yorkers or Southerners or the British, and we know they have accents. So what makes us think our way is just neutral? Do you think that you have an accent? I think everybody has an accent. I didn't realize that I had one particularly until college. I went to school in New York and my best friend was from New Jersey. And she thought it was hilarious (laughs) the way I said, uh, news she was like and she said something like I don't know if I can do it but she'd say like news news and also we had a lot of friends named Aaron and I thought that A-A-R-O-N and E-R-I-N they are the same to me and she was like that's ridiculous it's very clear it's like Aaron and Aaron or something like that I was like no before you went to school in New York like growing up did you ever think of yourself as having an accent no it's just you think of whatever you do and what if it's the same as the people around you, it's just talking. Right. The official name for the accent where we live is Midland Speech. If you live in a city like Indianapolis, Cincinnati, or Columbus, you probably have a Midland accent too. Funny enough, it's actually not the same as what you hear in other parts of the Midwest, like further north in Minneapolis or whatever. This is very specifically the way we talk in a narrow little belt across the country's midsection. And it's kind of weird how even those of us who talk that way don't really know about it. So on today's episode of Midwesternish, what we sound like. 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 And why it matters. If you wanted to hear a bunch of Midwesterners talking, people of different ages and backgrounds, 
where would you go? This recording, Illinois 10, is copyright the International Dialects of English Archive. We went to this online dialect archive called IDEA, and it's amazing. It's got audio samples of more than a thousand people from all over the world speaking English in different dialects. The United States is broken down by region, then by state, so you can listen to people from any state speaking English, and you really get a feel for how people sound depending on where they're from. Like this woman from Arkansas. I was born July the 10th, 1936, in Van Alstine, Texas. And then, uh, when I was about 14 months old, my parents decided to move to Arkansas. Or this lady from Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Your hunting takes place in Wisconsin in the late fall, early winter. Many hunters like if there is uh, some snow on the ground. A couple from Stillwater, Oklahoma. We got married out in the middle of a cow pasture in front of a teepee wearing buckskins. Uh, it was hot. <laughs> it was real hot. Uh, and a woman from Chicago who doesn't think she has an accent. Like when you see it on Saturday Night Live, it seems so exaggerated. But I actually think I speak like the TV announcers, you know. It's kind of crazy how many different accents you can hear just from state to state. Yeah, and I just want to say, like, an accent isn't exactly the same thing as a dialect. An accent is how you pronounce words, like the actual sounds you make. And dialect is all that plus common phrases people use, grammar, and stuff like that. But there's one main characteristic that unites the way that we talk in the Midland Speech region. To explain this, I want you to do what's called a minimal pairs test. So in front of you, there's a list of words that are similar in pairs. And I'll give you an example, like the first one, D-O, like to do the verb, and D-E-W, like what's on the grass early in the morning. Do and do. Got it? Yeah. Do, do, but, bet, read, read, pin, pen, full, fool, pill, peel, caught, caught, sell, sale, don, don, no, no, hair, her, pull, pool, bull, bull, gym, gem, poly, poly. Okay, so you have what's called the cot, cot merger, which is a distinct characteristic of Kansas City's dialect, but also kind of the whole Midland speech region, which covers that span from Ohio through Indiana, Missouri into Kansas. So yeah, C-A-U-G-H-T, like the past tense of to catch, and C-O-T, like an army bed, used to be pronounced with more distinct and different vowel sounds. But in the past 50 years in our region, they've been merging to become kind of the same sound. And what's interesting about that merger and others were things like B-U-L-L and B-O-W-L, bull and bull, and cotton and cot are the same words, is that you probably don't even realize that you're doing that. I can't wait to listen back to what just happened, because I feel like I say bull and bull differently. Bull, bull. I feel like I say bull and bull differently. Bull and bull differently. You don't. <laughs> really? No. I mean, as a lifelong overcorrector, this is... That's disturbing. If it makes you feel any better... I'm even more of a vowel merger than you are. All right, do, do, but, bet, read, read, full, full, cot, cot, bull, bull, gym, gem, poly, poly. Yeah, you're merged all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> and you're really, you're really fronting your, your O's, too. So you're, wait, 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 let me try again. <laughs> no, 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 it's good. Suzanne met a linguist, Christopher Streloff, a few years ago when she was looking into the Kansas City dialect. 
Chris was the first one who kind of taught me about this whole Midland speech region and the fact that I have an accent. So most of the things that, that we hear as regional accents are a result of your somebody else's tongue being in a different position in their mouth from where you expect yours to be when they say something. So it's all about where we put our tongues in our mouths. If you think about like, you know, New York, where you have like coffee talk, right? Well, historically, and where we would have our tongue when we say that vowel is in kind of a lower backer position. It's kind of like where if you were at the doctor and you needed to look down your throat, you'd say, ah. Ah, ah, weird. Okay, wait. So in the Midland speech region, we say words like trap, trap, with our tongues low in our mouths, trap. Yeah, kind of forward, like close to our teeth. Trap. And if I raise my tongue or pull it back when I say it, I'm going to try that. It sounds like this. Trap. 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 Yeah, and that's how they say it in Chicago, which is not part of the Midland speech region. Oh God, so weird. And so Chris has studied recordings of speeches by Harry S. Truman, who was from Missouri, to figure out how long we've talked like this. Because accents and dialects aren't just about where we're from. When someone was born has a lot to do with it, too. I can't tell you how very much I appreciate the honor which you've just conferred upon me. So linguists can study this stuff by looking and kind of dissecting the images of the sound waves that are created by someone's speech when they play back the recordings. If we take a recording of him in, eight, in 1948, we're actually getting a snapshot of, of what the language was in the Kansas City area uh, over 120 years ago. I accept the nomination. So his nose would be up here, his throat would be down here. And when he says like the word fleece or any vowel with that E sound, his tongue would be up here in a high front position. You can feel that for yourself. If you say fleece, you feel your tongue like come almost right behind your teeth, right? Yeah. You got that? So um, then on the other end of this, this is that that aw vowel I talked about, the, the thought vowel, and this is his lot vowel. So you can see that this aw vowel is in a completely different position for him from his ah vowel. It's hard to tell exactly what causes our accents to change over time, but remember that ah sound from the cot cot merger? That is a Midland thing. They don't say it that way up north. One of the major changes that's happening in the United States is, is called the Northern Cities Vowel Shift. And that's when you think of a Chicago accent or a Cleveland, their vowel in, in a word like bat has, has moved up to where our vowel in a word like fleece would be. Um, and when that vowel moved out of the way, it's dragged all their other vowels around. So our vowel, in a word like cot, in the cot-cot merger, has moved forward for them to become more like cat. In Kansas City and the rest of the Midland region, we're starting to say the vowel in a word like goat. Goat. In a way that sounds a lot like the vowel in strut. Strut. And the vowel sound in strut is starting to sound like the eh in dress. Dress. Strut. Dress. Strut. Dress. I've actually noticed that one. When I say get dressed, it sometimes does sound to me like an uh sound coming out of my mouth. And I can't help it even when I'm trying to get it right. Yeah, it's subtle, but it's there. Other than vowels, there are just certain phrases that Chris calls regionally marked, like the phrase, the dog wants out. It's a kind of a Kansas City, Midland of the United States thing. Uh, Most parts of the country, uh, it would have to be the dog wants to go out or the dog needs to be let out or something like that. The dog wants out. The dog wants out. The dog wants to go out. 
Yeah, I guess that's true. You know, the point is, it's something that's regionally specific, but it's, nobody comments on it anywhere. And so we don't realize that we're doing this very locally specific thing. It's almost like since nobody makes fun of our accent, we don't even notice that we have one. That brings us to Paul Meyer. He's a voice coach and he helps people lose their accents. But he doesn't get a lot of clients from around here. I don't think I've ever gotten a call from someone from Iowa, Nebraska, Missouri, Kansas. Help me lose my accent. You know, just nobody calls for that. In fact, a lot of the time, what people want is that standard Midwestern accent. It became the norm a long time ago when guys from Chicago wrote the manual for broadcasters, the NBC pronunciation guide. Also, people like Johnny Carson and Walter Cronkite, they were all Midwesterners and they talked the same way. At least they did on the air, and all of that turned the Midwestern accent into what I guess some people now consider America's accent. Anyway, Suzanne went to talk with Paul to find out more about the pressure people feel to sound like us. Paul's background is actually in theater. He started out training actors to do accents for certain roles, but Paul isn't just working with thespians. About 50% of my business is working with what I call real people as opposed to actors. What they want is known as accent reduction. I get a lot of people from the South who says, I, I know I talk wrong, I want you to help me fix it, which of course is a terrible indictment of our value system that they, must, that they think they've got to, that they're speaking incorrectly, when of course they're not speaking incorrectly at all, they're just speaking a different dialect. Paul has been doing this coaching for more than 40 years, and he says that for as long as he's been in the business, people have been judged for their dialects. It's sad that we are not more accepting of diversity in, in, in dialects. We, we speak a great deal to, uh, today about diversity and acceptance of diversity, but yet it's still okay to, to, to mock people with a southern accent, for example. It's still okay for some reason. And people's career trajectories are impeded by their accent. So people know this and they, they come to a coach like me. Caramel or caramel? How do you pronounce it, Suzanne? Caramel. Caramel. You're with the majority, 64%. So Suzanne talked to Paul, and he ended up giving her a quiz. Language people really seem to love these quizzes. He wanted to test out how Missouri her speech patterns are. But hold on a minute, because as long as we're going there, Suzanne and I are friends, and I've noticed a few things, like... She says anyways with an S. Anyways? Yeah, you say anyways. How do you say it? Anyway. Anyways. Anyway. Why would you say... What? <laughs> Wait, just a second. <laughs> anyways versus anyway. Anyways with an S is considered slang and is part of non-standard colloquial or informal English. Furthermore, since anyway is an adverb and it is impossible for adverbs to be plural... I never thought about that. In newspaper <laughs> or in any example of formal writing, you will almost never see the word anyways used. <laughs> okay, well, so anyway. <laughs> anyways. Anyway, for the most part, she sounds normal to me. Let's see what Paul thinks. He lives in Kansas, which is right next door to Missouri, but he's British. Do you say crick or creek, the small body of running water? Creek. 92% of Missourians report 
Creek as their preferred pronunciation. Suzanne, do you say Florida, 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 or Florida? One a, B, C, or D. I'm just going to say it how I say it. I'm going to Florida. Again? Florida. You're in, in line with the majority of Missourians, 84.79%, according to the Harvard survey. Uh, there's the Mary, 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 Mary. <laughs> yeah, Mary, Mary, same? Mary. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this Mary, Mary, Mary business gets back to the main defining characteristic of Midland speech. We merge our vowels. I am trying to read three different words that we say the exact same way around here. M-E-R-R-Y as in Merry Christmas. M-A-R-R-Y as in will you be my wife? Will you marry me? And then the name, Mary. Mary, Mary, Mary. (laughs) And obviously, Paul has to work with people on cultivating that blurring of our vowel sounds if they want to sound Midwestern. But he also has to teach them something else. You can take any sentence. And in English, we will have... um certain words that we're going to stress. We'll have certain words that we're going to stress. We're going to have certain words that we're going to stress, as opposed to, we're going to have certain words that we're going to stress. And immediately it sounds foreign because I'm, I'm, I'm stressing by a different set of rules. Let me give you a quick example. So you might say, um, in English, British and American English, we would say, uh, I can't believe I ate the whole thing. There's only two stressed words for us. I can't believe I ate the whole thing. Simply pointing out that trick that we have whole word strings that we just kind of slur. I can't believe I ate the... I believe... I can't believe I ate the whole... I can't believe I ate the... I ate the... I ate the... I ate the... And it's very casual. But to get them to to, to tune into that music, that rhythm, on a, on a habitual basis is, is the hard thing. So Paul Meyer, whose job is to help people mimic different accents so they can blend in, he lives in Kansas, but he hasn't really picked up a Kansas accent. You can still hear the British accent in my speech, of course. The Brits think I'm American, the Americans think I'm British, so I'm doomed to be a man without a, without a home. Paul says there are two kinds of people when it comes to this question of fitting in. Those who adapt and are a little bit chameleon-like and don't want to keep be kept asked, uh, you know, where are you from? Where are you from? And others, I've got several good friends who, no matter who they're speaking to, they are they themselves. They never change. And I kind of admire that. I, I guess I was just one of the uh, ones who just wanted to, uh, to blend in. Uh, Suzanne, have you ever been made fun of for the way you talk? Mm, no. Not really. You? Oh, if anything, I guess I get made fun of for over-enunciating, like, with words like comfortable is a big one, or restaurant. I pronounce all of the syllables, which is not Midwestern at all. It's just me. It's like the Gina dialect or something. Yeah, I've actually noticed that you do that. But this Gina dialect is not as ridiculous as you might think. So remember linguist Christopher Streloff, I asked him how many dialects there are, and this is what he had to say. Uh, well, you know, I, th- I think there's 300-some-odd million uh, Americans right now, so 300-some-odd uh, million dialects, um, and that, that seems like a, a really uh, lame answer. But, you know, the, the truth is dialect uh, really exists at the individual level. 
But the thing about this whole thing is, is it really goes beyond individuals, time, and geographic regions. Chris says it also has a lot to do with perception. There's an idea of the Midwest, and when people talk about Midwest as an accent-free area, they make their perception of facts fit that idea rather than shaping the, their ideas to fit the actual facts on the ground. The idea of a Midwest accent says a lot more about the way that people want to think about the Midwest as a place being kind of uninteresting and bland and neutral uh, rather than, than something that's actually really going on in the world. So we have this reputation for being this place without an accent, which is clearly not true. Do you think that that says something more about what people think about this region or says something more about specifically about who we are? What is considered the norm is what people expect to find in the Midwest. And that's maybe the most vi- that has been the most visible part of Midwestern culture. I don't know. I guess everything else is seen as some kind of flavor, whereas we're seen as kind of like the toast that the flavor get, you know, real, you know what I'm saying? Blander. But that's also partly about what you're ignoring when you look at the Midwest. Yeah, Chris talked about that too. We also, when we talk about a Midwest accent, it sort of encodes that we're thinking along racially white terms. There are many dialects of African-American Englishes throughout the areas that, that are Midwest. There are many dialects of Latino, English, uh, and, and many other ethnically marked dialects that are really part of the language fabric of the Midwest that don't get included in a term like the Midwest accent. There are a lot of accents in the Midwest. Not just the quote-unquote Midwestern accent, but accents from all over the world. Suzanne knows what it's like to be the one with the accent, the kind of accent that marks you as an outsider. She has relatives in Ecuador and Costa Rica, and her mom is a Spanish speaker, but Suzanne mostly learned Spanish in school. And she remembers when she finally knew the language well enough to hang out with her cousin and his friends. And at some point, one of his friends is like, why do you talk so funny? Like, I was like, oh, I, I mean... Spanish is not my first language. He just thought I talked funny, you know? He didn't know, he didn't realize that I was an American just trying to learn Spanish during her semester abroad. And I, I thought like, man, that's cool. If I can if I can go as like passing, you know, like as just like some Tika Costa Rican that talks funny, like that is, I'll take that. Because like for me, just feeling comfortable and knowing what people were saying was such an accomplishment to me. <laughs> that I just don't care about my accent sounding strange. I mean, when I hear people speak English as a second language and I hear their I hear them speak and they have a really thick accent, like I I think it doesn't bother me. I think I find it really beautiful and cool. And I know sometimes people can who are in that situation really are self-conscious about their accent. I'm like, "No, that's great." Like I cuz I understand how hard it is to learn a language. <laughs> it's really hard. I I think it is actually really important for us to know that we have accents just like everyone else on the planet. That we're not more normal than anyone else or more American. I mean, that we're not less than anyone else either. 
I seriously want every Midwesterner listening to this right now to get up, go look in the mirror and say, I am someone and I live somewhere <laughs> and I, I sound like something. Are you serious? Oh, Susanna, we should really do an episode about Midwestern modesty sometime. Yeah, okay. We can start working on it. I think that's a wrap. <laughs> Midwesternish is a podcast from KCUR Studios. It's made by me and Suzanne Hogan. <laughs> whose line is it anyways? Remember that show? No, wasn't that whose line is it anyway? What? Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's whose line is it anyway. <laughs> Our editor is Sylvia Maria Gross. And just a few more things. We've got a fun quiz about the Midwest accent on our website kcur.org slash midwesternish so check that out and we have a phone number if you have a uniquely midwestern observation and a story that goes along with it you should totally pitch it to us just leave a voicemail in less than one minute with your story and what you think is so midwestern about it here's the number 816-235-2797 That's 816-235-2797. And your story might find its way into a live event this spring in Kansas City, or it could be an episode in season three. Uh, Okay, I think that's it. I'm Gina Kaufman. I love you, Midwest. Midwest.